LearnOutLoud.com presents the U.S. President's Podcast. Each episode will provide a brief biographical portrait of a president, explore the eras in which they led their country, and assess the historical significance they hold for us today. For a complete listing of our educational podcasts, including links to subscribe, please visit our website at www.learnoutloud.com slash podcast. Copyright 2008, learnoutloud.com. Permission is granted to copy, distribute, and or modify this audiobook under the terms of the GNU Free Documentation License, version 1.2, or any later version published by the Free Software Foundation, with no invariant sections, no front cover texts, no back cover texts. Ronald Reagan, by Wikipedia. Ronald Wilson Reagan, February 6, 1911, to June 5, 2004, was the 40th President of the United States from 1981 to 1989, and the 33rd Governor of California from 1967 to 1975. Born in Illinois, Reagan moved to Los Angeles, California in the 1930s, where he was an actor, president of the Screen Actors Guild, and a spokesman for General Electric. His start in politics occurred during his work for GE. Originally a member of the Democratic Party, he switched to the Republican Party in 1962. After delivering a rousing speech in support of Barry Goldwater's presidential candidacy in 1964, he was persuaded to seek the California governorship, winning two years later and again in 1970. He was defeated in his run for the Republican presidential nomination in 1968, as well as in 1976, but won both the nomination and the general election in 1980. As president, Reagan implemented bold new political and economic initiatives. His supply-side economic policies, dubbed Reaganomics, included substantial tax cuts implemented in 1981. In his first term, he survived an assassination attempt, took a hard line against organized labor, and ordered military action in Grenada. He was re-elected in a landslide in 1984. Reagan's second term was primarily marked by foreign matters, namely the ending of the Cold War, the bombing of Libya, and the revelation of the Iran-Contra affair. The president had previously ordered a massive military buildup in an arms race with the Soviet Union, foregoing the strategy of detente. He publicly portrayed the USSR as an evil empire and supported anti-communist movements worldwide. He negotiated with Soviet General Secretary Mikhail Gorbachev, resulting in the INF Treaty and the decrease of both countries' nuclear arsenals. Reagan left office in 1989. In 1994, the former president disclosed that he had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease earlier in the year. He died ten years later, at the age of 93. His approval rating remains among the highest of former U.S. presidents. Early Life Ronald Reagan was born in an apartment above the local bank building in Tampico, Illinois, on February 6, 1911, to John Jack Reagan and Nell Wilson Reagan. Reagan's father nicknamed the boy Dutch due to his fat little Dutchman-like appearance and his Dutch boy haircut. The nickname stuck with Ronald throughout his youth. 
Reagan's family briefly lived in several Illinois towns, including Dixon, Monmouth, Galesburg, and Chicago. In 1919, they returned to Tampico and lived above the H.C. Pitney Variety Store. After his election as president, and residing in the upstairs White House private quarters, Reagan would quip that he was living above the store again. According to Paul Kingor, author of God and Ronald Reagan, Reagan had a particularly strong faith in the goodness of people, which stemmed from the optimistic faith of his mother Nell, as well as the Disciples of Christ faith, into which he was baptized in 1922. When Reagan was eleven, his mother gave him a book, entitled That Printer of Udell's, which he said inspired him to become an evangelical Christian. Reagan was unusual for his time in his opposition to racial discrimination, and recalled a time in Dixon when the local inn would not allow black people to stay there. Reagan brought them back to his house, where his mother invited them to stay the night and have breakfast the next morning. Following the closure of the Pitney store in late 1920, the Reagans moved to Dixon. The Midwestern small universe had a lasting impression on Ronald. He attended Dixon High School, where he developed interests in acting, sports, and storytelling. His first job was as a lifeguard at the Rock River in Lowell Park, near Dixon, in 1926. I saved 77 lives, Reagan said in an interview, and mentioned that he notched a mark on a wooden log for every life he saved. After high school, Reagan attended Eureka College, where he was a member of the Tau Kappa Epsilon fraternity, majored in economics and sociology, and was very active in sports, including football. Entertainment Career, Radio and Film After graduating from Eureka in 1932, Reagan drove himself to Iowa, where he auditioned at many small-town radio stations for a job. He got one broadcasting University of Iowa Hawkeyes home football games. He was paid $10 per game. Soon after, a staff announcer's job opened at radio station WOC in Davenport, and Reagan was hired for $100 per month. Later, he moved to WHO Radio in Des Moines as an announcer for Chicago Cubs baseball games. His specialty was creating play-by-play -play accounts of games that the station received by wire. In 1937, while traveling with the Cubs in California, Reagan took a screen test that led to a seven-year contract with Warner Brothers Studios. His first screen credit was the starring role in the 1937 movie Love is on the Air and by the end of 1939, he had already appeared in 19 films. Before the film Santa Fe Trail in 1940, he played the role of George Gipp in the film Newt Rockney, All-American. From it, he acquired the lifelong nickname The Gipper. Reagan's favorite acting role was in the 1942 film King's Row, but his performance did not meet with universal approval. One reviewer felt that Reagan had made only casual acquaintance with the character. Reagan also acted in Tennessee's Partner, Hellcats of the Navy, This is the Army, Dark Victory, Bedtime for Bonzo, Cattle Queen of Montana, and his final film, a 1964 remake of The Killers. He spent most of his Hollywood career in B-films, where, Reagan joked, the producers didn't want them good, 
they wanted them Thursday. While often overshadowed by more famous actors, Reagan's films did receive many good reviews. Military Service After completing 14 Home Study Army Extension courses, Reagan enlisted in the Army Enlisted Reserve on April 29, 1937. Private Reagan was assigned to Troop B, 322nd Cavalry at Des Moines, Iowa. He was appointed 2nd Lieutenant in the Officers' Reserve Corps of the Cavalry on May 25, 1937, and on June 18, was assigned to the 323rd Cavalry. Reagan was ordered to active duty for the first time on April 18, 1942. Due to his nearsightedness, he was classified for limited service only, which excluded him from serving overseas. His first assignment was at the San Francisco Port of Embarkation at Fort Mason, California, as a liaison officer of the Port and Transportation Office. Upon the approval of the Army Air Force, he applied for a transfer there from the Cavalry in May 1942 and was assigned to Army Air Force Public Relations and, later, to the 1st Motion Picture Unit in Culver City, California. The following January, he was promoted to 1st Lieutenant and was sent to the Provisional Task Force Show Unit of This is the Army at Burbank, California. He returned to the 1st Motion Picture Unit after completing this duty and was promoted to Captain on July 22, 1943. In January 1944, Captain Reagan was ordered to temporary duty in New York City to participate in the opening of the 6th War Loan Drive. He was reassigned to the 18th Army Air Force Base Unit on November 14, 1944, where he remained until the end of World War II. He was recommended for promotion to Major in February 1945, but the recommendation was disapproved in July of that year. He returned to Fort MacArthur, California where he was separated from active duty on December 9, 1945. By the end of the war, by the end of the war, his units had produced some 400 training films for the Army Air Force. Screen Actors Guild President and Television In 1941, Reagan was first elected to the Board of Directors of the Screen Actors Guild, serving as an alternate. Following World War II, he resumed service and became third vice president in 1946. The adoption of conflict of interest bylaws in 1947 led the Screen Actors Guild president and six board members to resign. Reagan was nominated and elected in a special election for the position of president. He would go on to win seven additional one-year terms from 1947 through 1952 and in 1959. Reagan led the Guild through eventful years that were marked by labor management disputes, the Taft-Hartley Act, the House Committee on Un-American Activities hearings, and Hollywood blacklisting. In 1947, as president of the Screen Actors Guild, Reagan testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee about the influence of communists in the motion picture industry. Strongly opposed to communism, he reaffirmed his commitment to democratic principles, stating, As a citizen, I would hesitate to see any political party outlawed on the basis of its political ideology. However, if it is proven that an organization is an agent of foreign power, 
or in any way not a legitimate political party, and I think the government is capable of proving that, then that is another matter. But at the same time, I would never, as a citizen, want to see our country become urged by either fear or resentment of this group, that we ever compromise with any of our democratic principles through that fear or resentment. Though an early critic of television, Reagan landed fewer film roles in the late 1950s and decided to join the medium. He was hired as the host of General Electric Theater, a series of weekly dramas that became very popular. His contract required him to tour GE plants two weeks out of the year, often demanding of him 14 speeches per day. In this role, he earned approximately $125,000 per year, which is equal to about $1 million today. His final work as a professional actor was as host and performer on the television series Death Valley Days in 1964 and 1965. Marriages and Children Jane Wyman In 1938, Reagan co-starred in the film Brother Rat with actress Jane Wyman. They became engaged at the Chicago Theater and married on January 26, 1940, at the Wee Kirk of the Heather Church in Glendale, California. Together they had two children, Maureen and Christine, who died on the day of her birth. They adopted a third child, Michael. Reagan and Wyman divorced in June 1948, making him the only U.S. president to have been divorced. In 1949, Reagan met actress Nancy Davis when she contacted him in his capacity as president of the Screen Actors Guild to help her with issues regarding her name appearing on a communist blacklist in Hollywood. She had been mistaken for another Nancy Davis. She described their meeting by saying, I don't know if it was exactly love at first sight, but it was pretty close. They became engaged at Chasen's Restaurant in Los Angeles and were married on March 4, 1952, at the Little Brown Church in the San Fernando Valley. The actor William Holden served as best man at the ceremony. The marriage produced two children, Patty, born in 1952, and Ron, born in 1958. Observers described the Reagans' relationship as close, real, and intimate. During his presidency, they were reported as frequently displaying their affection for one another. One press secretary said, they never took each other for granted. They never stopped courting. He often called her Mommy. She called him Ronnie. He once wrote to her, Whatever I treasure and enjoy, all would be without meaning if I didn't have you. When Reagan was in the hospital after the 1981 assassination attempt, she slept with one of his shirts to be comforted by his scent. In a letter to U.S. citizens written in 1994, Reagan wrote, I have recently been told that I am one of the millions of Americans who will be afflicted with Alzheimer's disease. I only wish there were some way I could spare Nancy from this painful experience, and in 1998, while he was severely affected by Alzheimer's, Nancy told Vanity Fair, Our relationship is very special. We were very much in love and still are. When I say my life began with Ronnie, well, it's true, it did.
I can't imagine life without him. Early Political Career A registered Democrat and admirer of Franklin D. Roosevelt, Reagan supported the New Deal. By the early 1950s, Reagan began to shift rightward due to his desire for a more limited federal government. He endorsed the presidential candidacies of Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1952 and 1956, as well as that of Richard Nixon in 1960. In his position with General Electric, Reagan would speak at various GE plants. Often his speeches were politically themed, holding a conservative, pro-business message. He wrote his own speeches, laboring diligently and daily upon his prose. Eventually, the speeches became too controversial for the company's liking, and Reagan was fired by General Electric in 1962. That same year, Reagan formally switched to the Republican Party, saying, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The party left me. Two years after switching parties, Reagan joined the campaign of conservative presidential contender Barry Goldwater. Speaking on Goldwater's behalf, Reagan stressed his belief in the importance of smaller government. He revealed his ideological motivation in a famed speech delivered on October 27, 1964. In Reagan's words, the Founding Fathers knew a government can't control the economy without controlling people, and they knew when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. So we have come to a time for choosing. The speech raised $1 million for Goldwater's campaign, and soon became known as the Time for Choosing speech. It is considered the event that launched Reagan's political career. Governor of California, 1967 to 1975. California Republicans were impressed with Reagan's political views and charisma after his time for choosing speech and nominated him for governor of California in 1966. In Reagan's campaign, he emphasized two main themes. In his words, to send the welfare bums back to work and to clean up the mess at Berkeley in reference to burgeoning anti-war, anti-establishment student protests at the University of California at Berkeley. He was elected, defeating two-term Governor Edmund G. Pat Brown, and was sworn in on January 3, 1967. In his first term, he froze government hiring and approved tax hikes to balance the budget. Shortly after the beginning of his term, Reagan tested the presidential waters in 1968 as part of a Stop Nixon movement, hoping to cut into Nixon's Southern support and be a compromise candidate if neither Nixon nor second-place contender Nelson Rockefeller received enough delegates to win on the first ballot at the Republican convention. However, by the time of the convention, Nixon had 692 delegate votes, 25 more than he needed to secure the nomination. Reagan was involved in high-profile conflicts with the protest movements of the era. On May 15, 1969, during the People's Park protests at UC Berkeley, Reagan sent the California Highway Patrol and other officers to quell the protests in an incident that became known as Bloody Thursday. 
Reagan then called out 2,200 state National Guard troops to occupy the city of Berkeley for two weeks in order to crack down on the protesters. When the Symbionese Liberation Army kidnapped Patty Hearst in Berkeley and demanded the distribution of food to the poor, Reagan joked, It's just too bad we can't have an epidemic of botulism. Early in 1967, the national debate on abortion was beginning. Democratic California State Senator Anthony Bielenson introduced the Therapeutic Abortion Act in an effort to reduce the number of backroom abortions performed in California. The state legislature sent the bill to Reagan's desk, where, after many days of indecision, he signed it. About two million abortions would be performed as a result, most due to a provision in the bill allowing abortions for the well-being of the mother. Reagan had been in office only four months when he signed the bill, and stated that had he been more experienced as governor, it would not have been signed. After he recognized what he called the consequences of the bill, he announced that he was pro-life. He maintained that position later in his political career, writing extensively about abortion. Reagan was re-elected in 1970, defeating Big Daddy Jesse Unruh, but chose not to seek a third term. One of Reagan's greatest frustrations in office concerned capital punishment, which he strongly supported. His efforts to enforce the state's laws in this area were thwarted when the Supreme Court of California issued its People v. Anderson decision, which invalidated all death sentences issued in California before 1972, though the decision was later overturned by a constitutional amendment. The only execution during Reagan's governorship occurred on April 12, 1967, when Aaron Mitchell's sentence was carried out by the state in San Quentin's gas chamber. Reagan's terms as governor helped to shape the policies he would pursue in his later political career as president. By campaigning on a platform of, in his words, sending the welfare bums back to work, he spoke out against the idea of the welfare state. The 1976 Presidential Campaign in 1976, Reagan challenged incumbent President Gerald Ford in a bid to become the Republican Party's candidate for president. Reagan soon established himself as the conservative candidate, with the support of like-minded organizations such as the American Conservative Union, which became key components of his political base, while President Ford was considered a more moderate Republican. Reagan's campaign relied on a strategy crafted by campaign manager John Sears of winning a few primaries early to seriously damage the liftoff of Ford's campaign, such as his victories in North Carolina, Texas, and California, but the strategy disintegrated. Reagan ended up losing New Hampshire and later Florida. As the party's 1976 convention in Kansas City, Missouri, neared, Ford appeared close to victory. Acknowledging his party's moderate wing, Reagan chose moderate Republican Senator Richard Schweiker of Pennsylvania as his running mate. Nonetheless, Ford narrowly won, with 1,187 delegates to Reagan's 1,070. Reagan's concession speech emphasized the dangers of nuclear war and the threat posed by the Soviet Union. Although he lost the nomination, Reagan received 307 write-in votes in New Hampshire, 388 votes as an independent on Wyoming's ballot, 
and a single electoral vote from a Washington state faithless elector in the November election, in which Ford lost to the Democratic challenger Jimmy Carter. The 1980 Presidential Campaign The 1980 presidential campaign between Reagan and incumbent President Jimmy Carter was conducted during a time of domestic concerns, as well as the ongoing Iran hostage crisis. Reagan's campaign stressed some of his fundamental principles, lower taxes to stimulate the economy, less government interference in people's lives, states' rights, and a strong national defense. After receiving the Republican nomination, he selected one of his primary opponents, George H. W. Bush, to be his running mate. His showing in the October televised debates boosted his campaign. Reagan won the election, carrying 44 states with 489 electoral votes to 49 electoral votes for Carter. Reagan won 50.7% of the popular vote, while Carter took 41%, and independent John B. Anderson, a liberal Republican, receiving 6.7%. Republicans captured the Senate for the first time since 1952 and gained 34 House seats, but the Democrats retained a majority. The Presidency During his presidency, Ronald Reagan pursued policies that reflected his personal belief in individual freedom, brought changes domestically both to the U.S. economy and an expanded military, and contributed to the end of the Cold War. The Reagan Revolution, proponents claimed, would reinvigorate American morale and reduce people's reliance upon the government. As president, Reagan kept a series of diaries in which he commented about daily occurrences of his presidency and his views on current issues, frequently mentioning his wife, Nancy. The diaries were published in May 2007 into the best-selling book, The Reagan Diaries. First Term 1981 to 1985. To date, Reagan is the oldest man elected to the office of the presidency. In his first inaugural address on January 20, 1981, which Reagan himself wrote, he addressed the country's economic malaise, arguing, Government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. The Reagan presidency began in a dramatic manner. As Reagan was giving his inaugural address, 52 U.S. hostages held by Iran for 444 days were set free. The Assassination Attempt On March 30, 1981, Reagan, his press secretary James Brady, and two others were shot by a would-be assassin, John Hinckley, Jr. Missing Reagan's heart by less than one inch, the bullet instead pierced his left lung. He began coughing up blood in the limousine and was rushed to George Washington University Hospital where it was determined that his lung had collapsed. He endured emergency surgery to remove the bullet. In the operating room, Reagan joked to the surgeons, I hope you are all Republicans. Though they were not, Dr. Joseph Giordano replied, Today, Mr. President, we are all Republicans. The bullet was removed and the surgery was deemed a success. It was later determined, however, that the president's life had been in serious danger due to rapid blood loss and severe breathing difficulties. 
He was able to turn the grave situation into a more light-hearted one, though, for when Nancy Reagan came to see him, he told her, Honey, I forgot to duck, using Jack Dempsey's quip. The president was released from the hospital on April 11th and recovered relatively quickly. The assassination attempt had great influence on Reagan's popularity. Polls indicated his approval rating to be around 73%. Reagan believed that God had spared his life so that he may go on to fulfill a greater purpose. The Air Traffic Controller's Strike Only a short time into Reagan's administration, federal air traffic controllers went on strike, violating a regulation prohibiting government unions from striking. Declaring the situation an emergency, as described in the 1947 Taft-Hartley Act, Reagan held a press conference in the White House Rose Garden, where he stated that if the air traffic controllers did not report for work within 48 hours, they have forfeited their jobs and will be terminated. Despite fear from some members of his cabinet over a potential political backlash, on August 5th, Reagan fired 11,345 striking air traffic controllers who had ignored his order to return to work, thus busting the union. According to Charles Craver, a labor law professor at George Washington University Law School, the move gave Americans a new view of Reagan, who, quote, sent a message to the private employer community that it would be all right to go up against the unions. Reaganomics and the Economy when Reagan entered office, the United States' inflation rate stood at 11.83% and unemployment at 7.5%. Reagan implemented policies based on supply-side economics and advocated a laissez-faire philosophy, seeking to stimulate the economy with large across-the-board tax cuts. Citing the economic theories of Arthur Laffer, Reagan promoted the proposed tax cuts as potentially stimulating the economy enough to expand the tax base, offsetting the revenue loss due to reduced rates of taxation, a theory that entered political discussion as the Laffer Curve. Reaganomics became the subject of debate, with supporters pointing to improvements in certain key economic indicators as evidence of success, and critics pointing to large increases in federal budget deficits and the national debt. His policy of peace through strength, also described as firm but fair, resulted in a record peacetime defense buildup, including a 40% real increase in defense spending between 1981 and 1985. During Reagan's presidency, federal income tax rates were lowered significantly with the signing of the Bipartisan Economic Recovery Tax Act of 1981. The growth of real gross domestic product, or GDP, recovered strongly after the 1982 recession and grew during his eight years in office at an annual rate of 3.4% per year. Unemployment peaked at 10.8% in December 1982, higher than any time since the Great Depression, then dropped during the rest of Reagan's presidency. 16 million new jobs were created, while inflation significantly decreased. The net effect of all Reagan-era tax bills was a 1% decrease in government revenues. Reagan also revised the tax code with the Bipartisan Tax Reform Act of 1986. The policies proposed that economic growth would occur when marginal tax rates were low enough to spur investment, which would then lead to greater economic growth, 
higher employment, and increased wages. Critics labeled this trickle-down economics, the belief that tax policies that benefit the wealthy will create a trickle-down effect to the poor. Questions arose as to whether Reagan's policies benefited the wealthy more than those living in poverty, and many poor and minority citizens viewed Reagan as indifferent to their struggles. In accordance with Reagan's less government intervention views, the budget and government programs, including Medicaid, food stamps, and federal education programs, were cut during his tenure. Funding for the EPA was also reduced. Reagan protected entitlement programs such as Social Security and Medicare. However, his administration attempted to purge tens of thousands of allegedly disabled people from the Social Security disability roles. The administration's stance toward the savings and loan industry contributed to the savings and loan crisis. Critics maintain that the administration's stance toward the savings and loan industry contributed to a savings and loan crisis. A minority of Reaganomics critics also suggested that the policies partially influenced the stock market crash of 1987, but there is no consensus regarding a single source for the crash. In order to cover newly spawned federal budget deficits, the United States borrowed heavily, both domestically and abroad, raising the national debt from $700 billion to $3 trillion. Reagan described the new debt as the greatest disappointment of his presidency. Reagan reappointed Paul Volcker as chairman of the Federal Reserve, and in 1987 appointed monetarist Alan Greenspan to succeed him. Some economists, including Nobel Prize winners Milton Friedman and Robert A. Mundell, argue that Reagan's tax policies invigorated America's economy and contributed to the economic boom of the 1990s. Other Nobel Prize-winning economists, such as Robert Solow, argue that the deficits were a major reason why Reagan's successor, George H.W. Bush, reneged on a campaign promise and raised taxes. Lebanon and Grenada American peacekeeping forces in Beirut, who had been earlier deployed by Reagan as part of a multinational force during the Lebanese Civil War, were attacked on October 23, 1983. The Beirut bombing resulted in the deaths of 241 American servicemen by suicide bombers. Reagan called the attack despicable, pledged to keep a military force in Lebanon, and planned to target the Sheikh Abdullah barracks in Baalbek, Lebanon, training ground for Hezbollah fighters. But the mission was later aborted. On February 7, 1984, President Reagan ordered the Marines to begin withdrawal from Lebanon. On October 25, 1983, only two days after the Beirut attack, Reagan ordered U.S. forces to invade Grenada, where a 1979 coup d'etat had established a Marxist-Leninist government aligned with the Soviet Union and Cuba. On October 13th, a faction led by Deputy Prime Minister Bernard Cord seized power. A formal appeal from the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States led to the intervention of U.S. forces. President Reagan also cited the regional threat posed by a Soviet-Cuban military buildup in the Caribbean and concern for the safety of several hundred American medical students at St. George's University as adequate reasons to invade. 
In the first major operation conducted by the U.S. military since the Vietnam War, several days of fighting commenced, resulting in a U.S. victory with 19 American fatalities and 116 wounded American soldiers. U.S. forces withdrew in mid-December, after a new government was appointed by the Governor-General. Escalation of the Cold War Following the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, Reagan escalated the Cold War, accelerating a reversal from the policy of détente. Reagan ordered a massive buildup of the United States military and implemented new policies toward the Soviet Union. He revived the B-1 bomber program that had been canceled by the Carter administration and produced the MX Peacekeeper missile. In response to Soviet deployment of the SS-20, Reagan oversaw NATO's deployment of the Pershing II missile in West Germany. Reagan, as well as British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, denounced the Soviet Union in ideological terms. In a famous address on June 8, 1982, to the British Parliament, Reagan called the Soviet Union an evil empire that would be consigned to the ash heap of history. On March 3, 1983, he predicted that communism would collapse, stating, Communism is another sad, bizarre chapter in human history, whose last pages even now are being written. After Soviet fighters downed a Korean Airlines flight on September 1, 1983, Reagan labeled the act a massacre and declared that the Soviets had turned against the world and the moral precepts which guide human relations among people everywhere. The Reagan administration responded to the incident by suspending all Soviet passenger air service to the United States and dropped several agreements being negotiated with the Soviets, wounding them financially. In March 1983, Reagan introduced the Strategic Defense Initiative, or SDI, a defense project that would have used ground and space-based systems to protect the United States from attack by strategic nuclear ballistic missiles. Reagan believed that this defense shield could make nuclear war impossible, but disbelief that the technology could ever work led opponents to dub SDI Star Wars and argue that the technological objective was unattainable. The Soviets became concerned about the possible effects SDI would have. Leader Yuri Andropov said that it would put the entire world in jeopardy. For those reasons, David Gergen, former aide to President Reagan, believes that in retrospect, SDI hastened the end of the Cold War. Reagan's foreign policies were criticized variously as aggressive, imperialistic, and even chided as warmongering. These events occurred before a reformer, Mikhail Gorbachev, rose to power in the Soviet Union in 1985. To confront the USSR's serious economic problems, Gorbachev implemented new policies for openness and reform, glasnost and perestroika. Reagan displayed humor throughout his presidency, including one notable joke regarding the Cold War. As a soundcheck prior to his weekly radio address in August 1984, Reagan made the following gaffe as a way to test the microphone. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. The 
the 1984 presidential campaign. Reagan accepted the Republican nomination in Dallas, Texas, on a wave of positive feeling. He proclaimed that it was morning again in America. In reference to the recovering economy, he became the first American president to open an Olympic Games held in the United States. Reagan's opponent in the 1984 presidential election was former Vice President Walter Mondale. With questions about Reagan's age and a weak performance in the first presidential debate, it was questioned whether he was capable to be president for another term. Reagan rebounded in the second debate and confronted questions about his age, quipping, I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit, for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience, which generated applause and laughter from members of the audience and even from Mondale himself. That November, Reagan was re-elected, winning 49 of 50 states. The president's landslide victory saw Mondale carry only his home state of Minnesota by 3,800 votes and the District of Columbia. Reagan won a record 525 electoral votes, the most of any candidate in United States history, and received 58.8% of the popular vote to Mondale's 40.6%.